there's been a murder, and it's Tessa Karlov? Hello everyone, you are listening to the Untapped Mana Podcast. I am your host, Palmer Snell, and I hope you can join me today as we dive into the wonderful world of Magic the Gathering. Today I have a special episode based on the murders at the Karlov Manor, the brand new set that comes out Friday, February 9th, which is today that I'm recording, hopefully releasing today. Today I have many things I'd like to talk about. For example, we're going to be talking about the Road to Magic Con, the murders at the Karlov Manor pre-release, which happened February 2nd, which was last week, the official release, which happens today, the brand new play boosters introduced in the set, which is a combination of the draft and set packs, the new commander decks, the plethora of new keywords, and my personal favorite card from the set. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the show. So diving on into things, we're going to be talking about the Road to Magic Con Chicago. This is going to be happening this February 2024 from Friday the 23rd to Sunday the 25th. I'm going to be going on Saturday the 24th, and it's going to be at the McCormick Place Lakeside Center in the Windy City of Chicago. I can't wait to go. I've never been to MagicCon. I've always seen posts about it, and I'm really, really excited. I get to go with my dad, and it's just going to be a really fun weekend. So I'm hoping to go to a couple meet and greets. I hope to meet Josh Lee Kwai and Jimmy Wong, and that is going to be happening from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then right after that, I'm going to be hopefully meeting the professor, which is from 1.30 to 4. Can't wait for that. I have some cards, and I actually want the professor to sign my playmat. I have the Uraborg Scavengers alternate art playmat from the March of the Machine set that I have for him to sign. For Jimmy, I have the Counterspell card, and for Josh, I have my Soul Ring. So, some staples and stuff I use every time that I'd like to have signed, just because you can use signed cards when you play. There's a couple vendors I'm also hoping to go to, which is the Ultra Pro, which is booth 1402 for anyone interesting. And that's for my chance at one of the con-exclusive playmats. I know there is a Dark Ritual playmat, but that one is 70 bucks. so we'll see if I can get that. If not, I know there's a lot of other cool stuff. And one panel that is happening on Saturday that I'm hoping to go to is the cosplay contest because I'm hoping to meet Talia Vest, which is one of my favorite Magic the Gathering streamers and openers. Um, We'll see what other kind of panels are happening that day, but I know most of the majority of the big ones are happening on Friday. I do have to miss, miss the Command Zone panel that's happening on Friday, so I don't get to watch them playing Magic live, which kind of sucks, but oh well. I get to go to MagicCon, and that is all I care about, and I'm very, very excited for that. So heading into the next topic, I'm going to be talking about the pre-release for the Murders at the Karlov Manor. I'm going to call it MKM a lot in this uh, episode, so just kind of letting everybody know, MKM means the Murders at the Karlov Manor, but nonetheless, February 2nd was the pre-release, and I joined my LGS in playing with tons of other people, including a lot of my friends, and it was such a fun night. We got to open the brand new set, look at the brand new cards, laugh make some funny decks. I have a video of me opening the pre-release kit on my Instagram, Untapped Mana Show. So if you want to check that out, I got to open six of the play boosters. And because this was the pre-release event, I got three extra packs, which were the play boosters. So I got nine packs in total for the entry, which is just such a big amount. And it was really fun to open them. And I had such a good time. Um, If no one's ever been to a pre-release, how deck crafting kind of works is you get the kit and then you get the three packs. How we do it, at least, is you just open all of them. We don't really want to, you know, have to 
play rounds to try to get more packs or another. Nope, everyone just gets the same amount and it's a lot of fun. So we get about an hour, 45 minutes to crack open the packs, build a deck, kind of show people cards we got. And then instead of a pod area, like we normally do at my LGS, we did 1v1. So we only had 60 cards, you know, the X amount of life. It wasn't a normal commander, which is what we're used to. But I always love pre-releases and they're a lot of fun just getting to see the new cards early and play with your friends and allow yourself to learn the new mechanics and see which cards would be best in your deck that you can even put in that night. So it was a lot of fun. And my LGS also gives away a whole booster box, which my buddy Gio won it. And that was a really fun time. I was glad to see him win that. It's always fun when we give away a booster box and the person who gets it is like, I'm so excited. Like I got a whole box. Um, I've never won a box because I am an employee, so I haven't won it yet. Um, but maybe one day we'll see. We'll see. But heading into the next section, we're going to be talking about the official release of the set globally, which is today, February 9th, 2024. But again, I said the pre-release were last week. Most of the local game stores have been selling all the products since last week. So some people have had it, some people haven't, but at least for the big brand stores, this is the official release date. If you want to go to Walmart or Target or anywhere else that sells product, you can find it on their stores today. But I also recommend always going to your local game store. They give you the best deals, and they're the most knowledgeable. So, like I said in the intro, there are brand new play boosters in this set, which is the combination of set and draft packs, to make buying packs more accessible and just making drafts a little easier, because now drafts have access to the list, to more rares, to more uncommons, instead of just only commons. So drafts are going to look really interesting from now on. And I really like the play boosters. I've opened a lot of them up on my YouTube and on my Instagram, and I've honestly got some pretty good hits out of it, and a lot of the rares in this set are also worth money, so it's also nice to see that when you're cracking open these packs, you get like three rares, it's like, hey, you know, that's a hit, that's a hit, that's just a great card in general. I do really, really enjoy the play boosters. Coming in the release are four brand new commander decks, and those commander decks I'll get into a little bit later. I bought one of them, I wish I could have bought a case of them because they are just so cool and so much fun. But I'll dive into those commander decks later. In the release, there's also play booster boxes, which include 36 whole packs, and the collector booster boxes, which include 12 packs. In those collector boosters, you have the chance of pulling the black light case file cards, which is the brand new style of cards. And in all the packs, you have the chance of pulling the normal case style cards and the showcase cards that put the art of the card inside of a golden circle with a black border on the outside. The black light case file and the case file cards are kind of like the anime arts in the Wilds of Eldraine and Ravnica Remastered set as nothing's guaranteed, but you get those and they're really cool and they don't hurt playability. They just look really, really nice. So the case file cards are titled, are tilted um, a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, just to look like, you know, a case file was thrown onto a table and the font for the text has actually changed and there is sometimes red font or red flavor text so that's kind of cool like giving a special effect to the cards that's always nice to see for any card not just seeing a plain old showcase card with the same text and the same it's nice to see different fonts and colors used for these cards as i mentioned before the set brings us four new pre-cons which include a red green white deck a blue black deck a green white and blue deck and a red white deck all of these have their own special capabilities and their own special keywords but diving into the first one we have the deadly disguise which is the red green and white which is all about playing cards face down and turning them back up to do damage and draw cards 
I will say as a side note really quick that each pre-con does include 12 brand new cards and the rest are made up from cards from other sets and some things from the list. A lot of different things make these pre-cons, but a lot of them are really good. You crack it open, it's like 45 bucks. You get a playable deck. They're a lot of fun. They're pretty good. Going back to the deck, the turn face turn down mechanic, I'll talk about a little bit later, but most of the time you create the creature into a 2-2 with Ward 2. And then when you pay the cost to bring it face up, this card now allows you to do damage, draw cards, you get buffs, you play instants. It's a lot of cool stuff from this deck. I haven't seen a lot of the play, but I have watched a breakdown of the video, a breakdown video of the deck, and it does look really cool. Going to my favorite deck, though, which is the Revenant Recon, which is the blue-black. I ended up purchasing this because I just thought it was so cool, and I love the mechanic of Surveil. The deck is all about Surveil and Resurrection. Uh, the Resurrection part, though, is a little different because whenever a card will die, you can do something special. I'll read it, the card later. But you can bring it back to the battlefield from the graveyard, but then when it dies again, it goes to exile. So it's not broken where, you know, you play something and then it dies and then you bring it back. No, you only get to bring it back once. But you get a lot of buffs when bringing that back. And then whenever you surveil, you get to put plus one, plus one counters on creatures and your commander and other kind of stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. So I actually have some of the cards in front of me, and I'll be reading them. First, we got the face commander, which is Mirko, Obsessive Theorist. He is a blue-black and a one-drop creature, so three in total, that is flying in Vigilance. Whenever you surveil, put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. At the beginning of your instep, you may return target creature card with power less than Mirko's from your graveyard to the battlefield with finality. With A card with finality says, if it would die, exile instead. So there's where that broken kind of part comes back. But because it is a blue-black deck, there's also lots of resurrection without that. So you're bringing back cards, and then you're bringing them back again with Mirko. So there's a lot of cool things you can do. The second commander, the one I decided to throw in the deck, is Marvo, Deep Operative. He is an octopus rogue. He is awesome. He costs uh, three colorless and the blue and a black. His ability reads, whenever Marvo, Deep Operative attacks, clash with the defending player. Uh, in the subtext, it says, each clashing player reveals the top card of their library, then puts that card on the top or bottom. A player wins if their card had the higher mana value. So it's a lot of fun, you know, doing a little bit of competition within the game. And whenever you clash, draw a card, then you may cast a spell from your hand without paying its mana cost if it is value, mana value 8 or less. So that's pretty dang good. It's a 1-8, so it is kind of, doesn't really hit a lot, but it is a big blocker. And the clashing aspect is really, really fun. So now I'm going to dive into all of the mythics you get in the deck. So first we got Dream Eater, which is a four colorless, two blue creature nightmare sphinx. It lets you surveil and then return target cards to their owner's hand, which is pretty cool. Next you got Doom Whisperer, which is a three colorless, two black. It is a nightmare demon flying and trample, and then you get to surveil. So a lot of these cards will revolve around surveilling because it does help the commander. Next, you got Rise of the Dark Realms. It was actually a really, really good card. I was really happy to get that in the pre-con. It is a 7-colorless, 2-black sorcery. Put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. So that can be crazy. Yeah, I just There's so many things that could happen with this card. If you board wipe and then bring everything to your board, you know that's an almost an instant win. Stuff like that. Next, we got Sphinx of the Second Sun, which is a 6-colorless, 2-blue. It is a Sphinx with flying. At the beginning of your post-combat main phase, there's an additional be beginning phase after this phase. This beginning phase includes the untap, upkeep, and draw steps. So that's really, really cool. You don't get another uh, attack, but you can do this to untap everything to then play other cards 
to give you other combat phases. So this card can really do a lot with other cards that you may have or you may put in the deck. Next we got Twilight Prophet, which is one of my favorite cards in my Vampire exclusive deck. Uh, it is a two cost, two colorless, two black, a Vampire Clerk with flying. It has Ascend, so if you control 10 or more permanents, you get the City's Blessing for the rest of the game. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have the City's Blessing, you reveal the top card of your library and then put it into your hand. Each opponent loses X life and you gain X life where X is that card's mana value. So a lot of cool things you can do with that, you know, bringing cards back getting cards for free a lot of this deck does revolve around getting cards for free as well because if it dies oh well you can just bring it back so that's that's really cool next we got grave titan which is a four colorless two black it's a giant with death touch when it enters the battlefield or attacks create two 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 black zombie creature tokens so this card's really good for just creating a ton of tokens if you got token doublers double them a lot of cool stuff Next, we got Masker Worm, which is a three colorless, three black, Frexian Worm. When it enters the battlefield, creatures your opponent's control get minus two, minus two until end of turn. Whenever an opponent, whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, that player loses two life. So this is a scary thing to sit on the battlefield if you want to put pro proliferate in the deck, because you give everyone all these minus one, minus one counters, and then boom, proliferate, and everybody loses everything. And then lastly, we got Lazvat. Lazov, very hard name, the Multi-Farvius, which is a blue and a black. He is a shapeshifter. Whenever he enters the battlefield, I get to surveil one, and then I can pay X, and he becomes a copy of target creature card in your graveyard with mana value X where you paid. Except his name is the commander. It's legendary in addition to its other types, and it has this ability. So the legend rule will apply, but you're going to make this card a ton. You're going to make all the different effects of cards you have in your graveyard and then be able to do it again with his ability because you don't tap him which is really nice i have two runner-ups they're not mythics but they're really really cool cards that i like in the deck the first one's ransom note it is a one drop rare as an artifact whenever it enters the battlefield you surveil one and then you can pay two to sack it to cloak the top card of your library to goad a target creature or to draw a card so basically for three you can goad and draw and cloak they're all really good a lot of cool mechanics and then next is Frexian Arena which is a one colorless two black enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep you draw a card and you lose life so you're gonna be able to draw two cards you know you lose one life you can gain it back no worries there but a lot of card draw is really good in a deck where you're trying to get a lot of creatures on the battlefield even if they die because you know you can bring them back that's that's no worries at all so I know that was a lot on that deck, but that's my favorite, and that's the one I bought. So I have the cards in front of me being able to show y'all. But next we got is deck number three, which is the Deep Clue Sea, which was actually the runner-up to the deck I wanted to buy. This is a blue, white, green, and it's all about investigating to get clues and then drawing tons of cards to buff all your creatures. It's just your basic card draw deck. You know, you, you play a lot of cards, you investigate, you draw, it's tons of stuff. More mana, more things like that, investigating you get tons of way to draw cards. Um, actually, with the commander, when you draw your second card, I don't know exactly what happens, but I know something happens when you draw your second card. So this deck is saying, hey, you need to draw more than one card per turn, and if you're not, you're doing it wrong. And then the last deck we have today is the Blame Game, which is the red-white, and it's all about suspecting, which is the new mechanic that I will talk about later, and goading all, your, all opponent's creatures that you don't control. Of course, you don't control their opponents. Um, but basically goading everything so your opponents are all attacking each other not attacking you and you're sitting there 
shocking and doing other types of you know burn cards because you are a red deck and then gaining life for anybody that attacks attacks you so it's a really really cool deck um i'm not it's a pretty aggro deck i'm not usually an aggro player so i wasn't too keen on getting that but hey it looks really cool and if you are good to you because i i sure can't well i mentioned some certain mechanics that are in these pre-cons and i never really gave some backstory to them so that's what i'm gonna do right now First up, we have the Disguise mechanic. This is one of my favorite mechanics from the new set, and it allows you to cast a card face down for three as a 2-2 two, two with Ward 2, and then at any time you can turn it face up for its Disguise cost. For example, I have Nervous Gardener here, which is a Disguise cost of one green, so when it is turned face up, you search your library for a land card with a basic land type, reveal it, and then put it in your hand. So when you play this card, down for three you just pay the one to flip it back up to get that buff i think that's really cool especially i've seen some disguise cards that are like you know six six or seven seven so if you only pay for three when you play it that's like a free card almost and then you can flip it over i've seen for like three i think three or four was the most i saw and you can play that after an opponent has named attackers so you can just bring a seven seven in boom, you pay it at a later time, so you don't pay the mana cost at full. So it's almost like you get to pay a card in different portions, if that makes sense. So I, I think it's really cool. I'd like to see what people do with it. I'm hoping to make a deck myself just based on Disguise. I think that'd be really fun. Um, next, we have a mechanic that is kind of like Disguise called Cloak. Um, the Cloak says, to cloak a card, put it onto the battlefield face down as a 2-2 card with Ward 2. Turn it face up at any time for its mana cost if it's a creature card. So, for example, I have Cryptic Coat, which says when it enters the battlefield, cloak the top card of your library, then attach this card to it. So basically, if it's a creature, you cloak it, and you turn it into a 2-2 with Ward 2. I have a token right here that says a mysterious creature um, that basically tells you what you can do. It's a face-down card that has cloak, and if it's a creature, for example, Mirko, my commander, I have to pay the 3 if I want to turn it face up. So that kind of sucks you know it's not a i think it's cool not for yourself but if you want to cloak other people's creatures that can be really really scary where they have to pay you know maybe a mana cost even a second time so i, th I think that's pretty cool uh we'll see what happens with that i know a lot of the cards use it to counter things so it's a different way to counter it. instead of just knocking it off the board you just put it face down until they can pay for it so definitely interesting uh, next up we have Suspect, which many cards will ask you to name a creature to suspect it. When a card becomes suspected, it will have Menace and will not be able to block. Uh, this is why the goading in the Blame Game precon will be so strong, because you're going to give all of these creatures the suspected, I don't want to say token, there's no token you give them, but they are suspected, and then they have Menace while they're being goaded. So it's going to be really hard for your opponents to block, so that, that'll be definitely pretty scary with that precon i have a reasonable doubt here as my card to show off it is a counter target spell unless it's controller pays two and then suspect up to one target creature so i think that's pretty cool uh, the next one we have is collect evidence which most of the time this allows you to counter a spell unless the opposing player then exiles a card with total mana cost to whatever the collect evidence amount is from their graveyard for example i have bite down on crime which is a sorcery as an additional cost to cast this spell, you may collect Evidence 6. So basically, to collect Evidence 6, XL cards with total mana value 6 or greater from your graveyard. 
to cast it. Um, and then there's another thing on the text that basically says, if you can do that, this happens. But for example, that's what happens with the collect evidence. Uh, the final brand new mechanic from uh, this set is the case cards. They're enchantments. Um, they look like the class cards or the saga cards with three zones most of the time. The first or top zone is always active and normally will grant an ability. The second or middle zone is the solve zone or two solve zone, which is usually something you have to meet. For example, control X creatures and then it happens, something like that. And the third or bottom zone is a cost where once you pay, it will normally sacrifice the enchantment to grant you access to things like extra plus one plus one counters or buffs and etc. So, for example, I have the card Case of the Burning Masks, which the top zone says when this card or case enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to target creature and opponent controls. To solve, three or more sources you controlled dealt damage this turn. So when that happens, you can then go to the third zone, which is the solve zone, to sacrifice this case and exile the top three cards of your library. You may choose one of them and then play that card this turn. Now that we have all the brand new mechanics out of the way, I'm going to go to my top five favorite card from this set. As much as I like this set, it really reminds me of Nuka Penna. And Nuka Penna was really cool, but it's almost, I, I say it's an acquired taste. The set's not for everybody, but if you like the mechanics, it is for you. But that's almost with every set that comes out. Nonetheless, we're going to go right into the cards that I love. First of all being Cranko Baron of Ten Street, which is a two colorless one red legendary goblin creature that has haste when you tap it you can sacrifice an artifact and put a plus one plus one counter on each goblin you control and then whenever an artifact is put into the graveyard from the battlefield you may pay one if you do create a one one red goblin creature token it gains haste until end of turn so if you have a lot of artifact destruction which it's a mono red deck so you will you will be sacrificing a lot a lot of artifacts to make a ton of of 1-1 one, one goblin creatures and I think that's really cool and you get to put a bunch of counters on them make more counters destroy other artifacts it'll be pretty cool my next favorite card is Leyline of the guild pack which there this card is crazy it can cost a green or a white a white or a blue a red or a green or a red and a green um, so basically totaling four in total, but it's a all color cost. It's it's a crazy card. The art has like all different colors going to it. Um, it's enchantment, but it does say if Leyland of the Guild Pact is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. Each non-land permanent you control is all colors, and then lands you control are every basic type in addition to their other types. That'll be an amazing card for the decks that are focused around all colors or I know there's one card that says you may pay every color instead of cost paying their mana cost for certain cards so you just tap whatever lands you got boom as long as you have five you can cost or you can cast anything you have which that card is going to be really good if you have it in your opening hand that's almost a guaranteed like I'm going to get big creatures on the board right away my next favorite card is private eye it's really not that good. I honestly just like the flavor text, uh, but getting into it, I have a, it is a one colorless, a white, and a blue. It is other detectives you control get a plus one, plus one. Not counter, but just plus one, plus one. And whenever you draw your second card each turn, target detective can't be blocked this turn. 
but the flavor text is awesome. And it says, yep, it's a vase, all right. The reason I find this so funny is because the creature is just, I can never say the name, um, but is a creature with just, his head is just one giant eye. And it is so funny because he's looking into this magnifying glass and I just hear him, yep, it's a vase, all right. Like, it is just, it is funny. Great job to Wizards Magic. That was, that was great. I love this card. Um, my next favorite card is Slime Against Humanity. It is a two colorless, one green sorcery. It says create a zero zero green ooze creature token with trample. Put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is two plus the total number cards you own in exile in your graveyard that are oozes or named Slime Against Humanity. A deck can have any number of cards named Slime Against Humanity. So this adds on to the list where the seven dwarves you can have X amount and uh, the rat card, I can never remember what the exact card name is, but where you can have multiple of the cards in your deck. So this is crazy for a commander deck where you're going to run, you know, maybe 30 of this card, making tons of oozes and ooze tribal. It's going to be all kinds of gross, but it is going to be so much fun. Uh, I actually have a good friend that's making this deck, and I cannot wait to play against it because it'll be so, so cool. And for my favorite card of the set, you've probably all seen it if you follow my Instagram, it is Gear Bang Orangutan. It is a two colorless, one red. It is an ape. So it goes perfect in my Kibo Ape and Monkey Tribal deck. It has reach, and whenever it enters the battlefield, choose one, destroy up to one artifact, or sacrifice an artifact. If you do, put two plus one plus one counters on this Orangutan, and he's a two two. I love this card because it goes great in my Monkey and Ape Tribal. And my favorite animal is actually the orangutan, so it's great to see more orangutans in magic. You can't complain when you see your favorite animal at all. As this episode comes to a conclusion, will we ever know who killed Tessa Karlov? Maybe not. But what I do know is that I have some more awesome content for everybody that's not just the podcast. If you check out my Instagram and my YouTube, both handles are Untapped Mana Show. You can check out more content that I post during the week when episodes are not coming out. This is a weekly show, so there's only going to be about an episode a week, but if you check out the Instagram, multiple posts a week, YouTube, we got pack openings, we got reviews, tons more stuff to check out while you're waiting on the next great episode to come out. Actually, that reminds me, if you go check out my Instagram, my most recent post before I post about this episode is my favorite secret lair winter drops from 2024. Go leave a comment on that Instagram post. Let me know what your favorite card is. At the end of next week, before I record my next episode, I'm going to pick someone at random from the comments, and they're going to win a pack of Ravnica Remastered, the set that came out right before the murders at the Karlov Manor. So make sure to check that out. Give me a follow. Share the episode. Share the Instagram. Let me know how I'm doing. If you want to leave a comment, awesome. If you want to send me a DM, that'd be great. But again, my name's been Palmer Snell. Thank you for listening. And remember, never leave any mana untapped. That is, unless you are a blue player. Goodbye and have a great day.